Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Aviation Podcast. My name is Dave, I'm a commercial Group 1 IFR pilot and current CFI candidate. On today's episode, pilot likely disoriented in November 2019 crash, one dead in small airplane crash north of Montreal, Sky Regional Airlines to close after losing Air Canada bid, and a great conversation that I had with somebody over Facebook about landings. Stick around as there's lots in store today for episode two of the Aviation Podcast. How's everyone doing today? This is Dave and thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of the Aviation Podcast. Today we got a few stories uh, that we're going to be talking about that unfortunately are a little grim. Um, there, there were a couple, one uh, November 27th, 2019, so uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, there were seven people that were killed in a Cherokee crash near Kingston, Ontario. And then unfortunately the other day, uh, one person uh, passed away in a crash. And, and I don't like to bring these up because uh, somebody died. Um, that unfortunately is the sad reality of some of the accidents that we have but I like to try to look at them and learn something. Not armchair quarterback. I definitely don't want to do that because we weren't there and we don't understand what they were going through at that time, uh, as everything is speculation. However, if there's something that we can read from the report and learn and become better pilots, I think that's very valuable. So without further ado, the seven people that passed away November 29th, 2019 in an aircraft just north of Kingston. So this was an aircraft uh, that was flown by a pilot, and I'll leave their names out of it. You can find them online if you'd like, um, out of Houston, Texas. However, he had family here in the Toronto area. They were flying from Buttonville Airport to Quebec City. And when they were around the Kingston area, they checked in with the uh, Kingston uh, Flight Service Station and actually gave a incorrect position report. Not that it meant much at that time. However, with the events following only two minutes later, this is what was prompting that there was probably disorientation. This was a low-level pilot flying, at, or I say low-level, low-time. There's a low-time pilot flying at night in... Um, this was a VFR night flight, but it wasn't necessarily VFR conditions. Uh, the conditions were deteriorating, and by the sounds of it and the radar, they went into a bit of a spin, uh, maybe got disoriented and went went down at that point. So the, the flight started Buttonville, made its way just about to Kingston, and the Intended flight following uh, Kingston stopover uh, was just a, a bit north of where the crash happened. So according to the map, uh, and you can find this uh, online on the Transportation Safety Board, the TSB website, this accident report is on there. So the plane uh, made contact with Kingston's flight service station, a facility that provides information to pilots before crashing a short time after 5 p.m. Eastern in a heavily wooden wooded area so as we know in november here 5 p.m is getting a little bit darker so i'm not too sure if this pilot had a night rating uh here in canada i'm not too sure about how it is with the faa but here in canada you do have to have a night rating uh specific and that's separate from a uh, instrument rating 
In its uh, reported re- report released Thursday, the Transportation Safety Board said the pilot gave the wrong position to his contact in Kingston about two minutes before impact. He was turning away from the airport when they last spoke, before climbing, rolling, and dropping, as we discussed earlier. Transportation Safety Board said he had only flown in Texas, and it doesn't know if he checked any other weather sources than an app showing a wider look at the United States and areas along the Canadian border, which showed mixed precipitation. If he had, the Transportation Safety Board said, he would likely have forecast uh, that would have required the use of instruments to determine the plane's altitude. There was mist and moderate to severe turbulence in the area at the time of crash, along with relative lack of lights on the ground. If you've flown in the Kingston area, you'll kind of understand it's not a huge built-up city where he where they crashed. So would it just kind of give it could have even given him a black hole effect. There's a lot of water around that area. Uh, it's kind of right on on the pond. So yeah, it's a very, very sad situation. Uh, but I think the takeaway from this is no not only your minimums that you're legally allowed to fly, but personal minimums. And I know instructors will harp on that all the time and people talk about it, but it's true. If you're not comfortable with night flying, that doesn't mean don't go up and night fly. Go and night fly with an instructor or go and do a solo night flying trip where you don't have seven people in the back of your aircraft that might be giving you a little bit of pressure to get their itis, right? You know, we always hear about that get their itis. Maybe they really wanted to get to Quebec City, whatever they were doing there, and he has seven people or six six passengers and him, and he just wants to make sure that everybody's happy and gets there. So he says, you know what? I'm not that proficient at night. However, we got to get there. Let's make it happen. Let's try to beat the sun going down. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So the takeaway from this for me, guys, make sure you have your own personal minimums. Whatever that may be, whether it be for wind, visibility, and whatever stage, and don't feel bad about it. It actually, to me, is a way more responsible and proficient pilot when they can know their limits and they fly within them. Next up, we have one dead in a small plane crash just north of Montreal. Not too much out about this yet, just wanted to let you you guys know what's going on. So police investigate the scene where a small plane crashed into Lac Baron. Uh, Wednesday, March the 3rd, 2021, in Gore, Quebec. Police have not said yet if there was any injuries, uh, which we now know that one, uh, one, it was fatal, one had passed away. Quebec Provincial Police say a man in his 50s is dead after a small plane that he was flying crashed into Gore, northwest of Montreal. Provincial Police spokesperson, uh, spokesman, Sergeant Stephanie Tremblay, says the man was the only person aboard the plane. He says witnesses who saw the crash took, um, oh, sorry, just to to retract, there was Stephane, um, not Stephanie, my apologies. Uh, He said the witnesses who saw the crash, which took place about 8.30 a.m., called emergency services. The pilot was removed from the plane by the local fire department and transported to the hospital where he was declared dead. The Transportation Safety Board of Canada says it sent a team of investigators to determine the cause of the crash of the Egg Aero amateur-built aircraft. Trombley says provincial police investigators uh, are on the scene to determine whether any crimes were committed, and the coroner's office is also investigating to determine the cause of death. So this is obviously a very sad situation. Uh, We don't want to speculate too much at all. I'm not even going to go into uh, takeaways or anything. Just wanted to let you know. And you know what, guys? Just stay safe out there. You know, like I said, fly, fly within your personal minimums. 
and make sure to always do do proper pre-flights. Uh, this person may very well have, and if it's amateur built, maybe they even built it themselves, so they must know that plane inside and out. So my condolences to the family and uh, anyone that's affected in the situation, and, and we hope we get a little bit of information on this uh, soon so we can learn and, and move on from there. So last for the news today, Sky Regional Airlines is the most recent one affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. So Sky Regional Airlines uh, will be shutting down its commercial flight operations on March 31st after losing its Air Canada Express contract, becoming the first mid-sized Canadian airline to fall victim to the pandemic. Toronto-based Sky Regional, which employs about 650 people, flies 25 Embraer E-175 planes branded as Air Canada Express. Air Canada said on Monday it will make uh, Chorus Aviation's Jazz subsidy the lone operator of Air Canada Express flights and transfer the planes to Jazz Aviation. The, the move means the union that represents about 300 Sky Regional pilots will begin negotiations to transfer members to Jazz amid a pandemic that has seen thousands of airplane, airline employees laid off. Sadly, as a result, we'll be forced to shut down our operations despite many of our adjustments in the face of the various travel restrictions imposed by governments, thus far without any sector-specific support, said Russell Payson, founder and chief executive officer of Sky Regional. I am extremely proud of Sky Regional's record and its outstanding, innovative, and dedicated team, and it's hard to reconcile the tragedy of today's announcement given the strength and success of our organization. The transfer of pilots to Jazz Aviation is subject to negotiations between Airline Pilots Association and Jazz. Further to the termination of the Air Canada agreement between Air Canada and Sky Regional, Sky Regional will cease its operations and business, which includes, except for the pilots, the termination of employee of all of its employees uh, on March 31st, 2021. Sky Regional told employees in a memo, a copy of which was obtained by the Globe and Mail. The pilots union said no one was available to comment on Monday and Thursday. Sky Regional employed 800 employees before the pandemic began a year ago. The planes labeled Air Canada Express flew out of Toronto to destinations in Canada and the United States. This is big news, John Gradick, who teaches aviation leadership at McGill University's set of Sky Regional shutdown. He said Michael Rousseau, Air Canada's chief, uh, new chief executive officer, is flexing his muscles with contractors and slashing costs to better position the airline for eventual return to pre-pandemic levels of demand. Rousseau uh, is very much a cost, um, much a cost accountant. Mr. Gradick said he knows that to survive Air Canada is going to cut costs significantly. So we know that during the pandemic, all the airlines, travel and tourism, hospitality has been definitely hit the hardest and um, about i'm going to say about two years ago the same kind of thing happened with air georgian and air canada where they lost the bid they ended up getting it back however that's the thing and it's tough like sure you can turn around and say that air canada's new ceo is trying to make some moves to make himself look good however we are in a pandemic that is not getting support from the government financially right so yeah say he's flexing his muscles wants to make the books look good but that is one his job and two there's just not the demand like how many air canada mainline pilots are out of a job right now right tons of them and and th this is not even talking about other airlines but if you're telling me that air canada has all this money and they should be able to keep you on and and 
it's just it to me just seems I, I get it. They want to keep their company up and they're in desperation mode. I understand that. And you know what? I hate to see any airline close its doors. Especially, uh, you know, Sky Regional has just done a ton of uh, fantastic flights uh, for service our area for for many years. Um, however, it's unfortunately the nature of the beast right now, and and I hope that things can turn around and maybe Sky Regional can make a resurgence later or partner up with somebody else. But it it, it is tough. It is it is really tough. It's unfortunate that this has happened. So with that, that concludes all the news for this week. Uh, then I wanted to talk about something. I had a really great conversation on Facebook with somebody. And I'm going to leave his name anonymous. Uh, however, it was on our pilots and aviation group on, on Facebook. And if you're not a part of it, I highly recommend just searching it. And there's a lot of great discussions. And so anyways, this student pilot, uh, I'm not too even sure how far he is in his training. I'm going to assume private pilot. And he was really, really, really struggling with his landing. So we had some video and he played it and the landing seemed to be uh, quite flat, quite flat um, and consistently. And he was and he was really struggling with the control of the aircraft in the sense of uh, being able to flare, but not gain altitude, uh, dropping flaps, but not disrupting the aircraft too much. And so th these are these are things that are very very common in new pilots and, and can happen to really anybody uh, however i wanted to touch base and go through a little bit of this to try to help anybody who may be in the same situation because i think this this gentleman put himself on the line and made himself very vulnerable by showing these videos and i thank him like time and time again because a lot of people are having the exact same issues but they won't go and look for help because they're too proud and that's the one thing that i really want to uh, push here is that you can't be too proud in aviation you got to be able to you know quote unquote put your tail between your legs understand when you're not doing something well and and, and get better every pilot is always getting better even the most senior captains uh, of major airlines if you if they put themselves in a different situation, they may be a master of their aircraft and constantly learning small things and brushing up. But take them and let's say they haven't flown GA in 20 years. They'll learn a ton going into that. Right. There's always something you can learn. It doesn't matter what your experience. And that's the wonderful thing about aviation. So the first thing that I want to talk about. Is, so we had four videos and I'll kind of go over the what they are and I'll explain them the best I can. So the first one he came in was just a big flat landing. Bang, hit hard. Flat. Couldn't be any more flat. Just a pancake. Uh, honestly, it just came down to speed management in my eyes uh, from, from it. Came in a little too hot, floated forever. Um, and then also the lack of confidence of getting that nose up. When I was doing my private pilot training, I had a very senior instructor uh, come up for a supervisory flight with me. And he had a really great takeaway that has stuck with me for learning how the proper attitude in landing. So I know it's easy. You could say, oh, well, yeah, it's slow flight. Yeah, well, that's easy when you're, you know, way up at 5,000 feet. But when you're five feet off the ground, it's not as easy. So what he did is he said, I want you to take either a video or a really good mental picture of your takeoff. So you take off, you see that attitude, you know, you, you hit whatever your rotation speed is, nose comes up, and then you pitch. And it's just a gentle, a, you know, your nose is just at the horizon and you're starting to climb. He goes, that, put that in reverse, and that is your landing. That's your landing attitude. 
it's how you took off. You didn't tail strike taking off. You're not going to tail strike landing, holding that attitude. So we want to get to that attitude and just give and just continue to hold it off. The next thing that he said is don't don't allow the aircraft to touch the ground. Okay, so get to that round out point or flare and hold it off. And slowly, slowly, and it will take touch. And you know, your first first landing in that aircraft is not going to be perfect. And you're going to slowly pull the back pressure, keep pulling that back pressure until you get to that that perfect attitude, and allow the aircraft to settle in. Now we've all been in that position where, oh, you know what? We're still five feet above the ground. If I allow that to continue settling, I'm gonna lose lift at some point. And just boom, it's gonna be a hard, hard landing on the on the mains. So that's when we go in and just give a little bit of power, just a tiny bit of power. Think of a soft field landing. That tiny little bit of power is gonna slow the sink rate down, so you don't go hitting into the ground. Okay. So again, think of that takeoff attitude. Gentle nose up, hold that down. Once your power's out, if you feel you're gonna, you're, you need to slow that sink rate down, just a little bit of power and leave it in. You can leave it there. And now, like I always say, check with your instructor. Don't take what I'm saying. I'm, I'm strictly just giving my point of view. Don't take it as gold. Talk to your instructor about it if you're having an issue because I don't know exactly what's going on with you. However, this is what works for me. And if I, if you can take one little thing from what I'm saying, then that's going to make you a better pilot, me a better pilot. And you know what? If we can, if I can never see another article that somebody passed away, I would be so happy. So the second video that he had was uh, actually the, you could call it a wheelbarrow or even a porpoise. Uh, it was actually, it actually scared me. Um, I watched it and saw one bounce up on the nose and then nose coming down. So it was nose first, mains popped up, nose came down, hit, mains and back up for a third time and it settled. So I'm really glad that it settled because that could have gone really bad if those oscillations got bigger because the first oscillation was smaller, the second one was bigger and then the third one he luckily settled down. So I'm really glad that that happened. However, that could have been really bad. So to me, that kind of looked like a bit of the Swiss cheese model. Remember, you have this nice, smooth piece of processed cheese. And then you make a mistake and it makes a hole. And then another one, you have another hole. And sure enough, there's enough holes that you've now become Swiss cheese. Now, any cheese connoisseurs out there, sorry if I butchered what actually Swiss cheese is, but that's my rendition of what Swiss cheese is. So, you've now have this fine piece of cheese, but it's now turning into one that is a little bit less cheese. It, I like Swiss cheese, but we're going to say it's worse for the sake of this. So, <laughs> you have this worst piece of cheese. So, at least, let's say the weight is less, but I digress. Okay. So... He hits nose first, hits mains, pops up in the air. So when you bounce, what do you do? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you bounce? If you said full power, go around, you're right. Right? That's the first thing. If a landing is not good, bounced, whatever, full power, go around. Are there extenuating circumstances where that's not the case? Of course. But that is primarily the best thing to do. Full power, go around, try it again. In this situation, 
we and we've all been there. I, I do it too. Sometimes you go in, you're like, I don't want to fly another circuit. Like I just want to get down, and fill the plane up, and go home. Right. That extra six minutes it takes for you to go around the circuit is not going to kill you. If you're, excuse me, if you're worried about fuel, then go off and practice a P180. Go power off at your threshold and come around. And there you go. You save yourself 60 cents in fuel. And there you go. You're happy. Um, but no, really, you bounce, full power, go around. No ifs, ands, or buts. In this situation, it kept oscillating and he fought it and fought it and fought it. And luckily it settled down. What could have happened is what we discussed last time is where he porp where the aircraft porpoise. Now they porpoised on a takeoff, but the same thing happens. That aircraft goes up, and one of those oscillations is gonna call it is gonna come to a critical angle of attack. Wings are gonna stop generating lift, that nose is gonna drop like a sack of potatoes, and you're going face first and into the runway. And it's not a good day. So just be careful about that. Be really careful. If you bounce, go around. What uh, a guy who I've flown with a couple times, uh, he's an XCF-18 instructor. And one thing that he said to me, and, and again, that's something else that has stuck with me, is every landing, assume you're not landing. You're, you are not landing this time, okay? And then you're, and you're gonna fly it down. With every second, you're going, I'm overshooting, I'm overshooting, I'm overshooting, I'm overshooting, until your plane is on the ground and settled with the power off and you're stopped. Until that point, you're thinking, I'm overshooting, I'm overshooting, I'm overshooting, I'm overshooting. Okay? And that will have you ready that, oh, something happened, boom, okay, don't like a go around. You're ready. You're already, you know, you're on your toes. You know, you're that hockey player or you're that basketball player that's sitting there ready, waiting for that that pass, that shot, and you're going to react left, right, front, back. Okay. So, so think about that guys. And maybe that's something that can really help you. I always think oh, I'm going to overshoot. I'm going to overshoot. I'm going to overshoot until you can confirm to yourself that you, you landed the plane properly. So in the next, uh, next video, uh, three, four, and five, uh, we're all very similar. Uh, just flat landings looked like he was coming in with just too much speed and then, uh, and then dropping it in. Now he did, he did talk about different things about, okay, well I, I then I, I've, I think I've fixed it. I decided I, I'm not going to add in flaps and then I'm going to add in flaps and like short final. And that like helps with my sink rate and all that. Whenever we come up with these ideas that are outside of the norm, Try to ask yourself, are you trying to band-aid a problem? Are we trying to band-aid, you know, a bot, like how we're not good at holding an airspeed? Are we not good at holding an attitude? Do we naturally just sink way too quick? This gentleman, I think he had an issue with holding his airspeed proper while holding a proper attitude and adjusting with his controls. Remember, power controls your altitude, pitch is your airspeed. When you add in flaps, what's going to happen? You're adding more lift, okay? You add more lift when you drop the flaps in. What is a byproduct of lift? Drag. Now we've added more drag. How do we counteract that drag? We add thrust, right? Remember the four forces acting on the aircraft, drag, lift, weight or gravity, and thrust, okay? And we have to find a balance in straight and level flight. You have a one-to-one -one on each side. But now when we're descending, 
that ratio changes and we have to be able to play with that. So we go, okay, I'm going to be putting in flaps. What's going to happen to the aircraft? Aircraft's going to lift, right? It's going to balloon up a little, which is going to give us a tendency to try to push that nose down because our airspeed's going to go down, altitude's going to go up or stabilize, right? Or slow our descent rate. Okay, so what's the first thing that we're going to do? Maybe pull out a little bit of the power, drop the drop the flaps, right? Because we know that'll help counteract. Then we can get that nose down a little bit more, give us a better sight line. Oh, but the nose coming down, now we're getting too much airspeed. Okay, so how do we counteract that? Because now we're going to have too much airspeed and descend too quick. Well, we can't just pull the nose up because then we're going to, you know, lose all of our sink rate and we're going to lose all of our airspeed. So now we got to play with the power. So guys, this is what I find. This is so important. Get really good with managing that. Okay. And some people, it comes really, really naturally and some it doesn't. And that doesn't matter. That doesn't make you a bad pilot if it doesn't come naturally, because there's something else that you're going to do really well. You could be in an aircraft where somebody sucks at upper air work, stalls, things like that, but they grease every landing. Well, that's great. But what if you come into a situation where, where stalls, uh, where you stall, what are you going to do if you're not good with that stuff? So be able to recognize where you're not as strong and work on it. And there's absolutely nothing. There's no perfect pilots out there, maybe one or two, but but there's not many, right? And they also didn't get there just by, you know, natural talent. They got there because they worked hard. So here's the nice conclusion to this whole story. The next day or a couple days later, he comes back with a greasy landing. And he was so beat up the day before, a couple days before, whenever the time difference, I'm not too sure uh, what the, the distance was between the videos. He was beat up. Why can't I just, I'm just landing flat. I'm flat, I'm flat, right? And I don't know what's been going on between him and his instructor, or what guidance he's getting, but he, he was continuously landing flat with some great feedback, which was really nice. And it doesn't happen often in some of these aviation groups. Sometimes everyone's got an opinion, but the opinion has nothing to do with helping somebody. It has to do with just bastardizing somebody. But with all these good these good points, this gentleman put it into action, okay, and perfected his craft and made it happen. This is a pilot that I would gladly hop in an airplane with. He's somebody that can recognize his faults, has the stones to turn around and say, hey, I suck at these landings. I need to get better. To a group of people that range from pre-private pilot license to ATPL to senior captains, okay? That can be really intimidating to ask questions like, I can't land on an airplane. I'm landing flat. What am I doing wrong? So kudos to him. Came up with a great discussion. He conquered his problem. And what I want everybody to take away from that is don't be scared to ask questions. Don't be scared to, even if the person's not a CFI, they don't have to be, I'm not a CFI right now. I'm a candidate, I'm doing my CFI training. Um, but all of us have unique strengths, unique weaknesses, and we all have unique ways of doing things. But ultimately, we all are trying to be safer pilots. And we are gonna be safer if we work together, discuss topics like this, and figure out 
what went wrong? What did they do well? What did they not do well? And how could I do better? That's the biggest thing. How can you do better? So if I could ask one thing that you guys do is one, get up in an airplane and enjoy this nice weather that's coming our way. Uh, I know here in Southern Ontario, it's going to be beautiful this week. Get up, fly the airplane and pick something you're not good at. And even if it's, you know what, I suck at time turns. Oh, what is it? You know, uh, is it 10% of my airspeed or is it 10% of the, uh, you know, the degrees change and that's the amount of time. Like if you like take something like that, if that doesn't come quick to you, that's okay. Practice that and focus on it. Take half an hour, take an hour. That will help you. Because you get into these situations, like the gentleman who passed away in uh, in Kingston with his family, where he became disoriented, you know, maybe take some time. Go up with a friend who can be a safety pilot and put yourself under the hood. Even if you're not an instrument pilot, go up with another pilot. You guys can both be VFR pilots. It's okay because you're not both under the hood. Fly in VFR. Have him monitor and fly the airplane with a hood on. And not just, okay, I won't look out. Put a hood on. You know, it's it, that's one thing that a lot of students won't do is put on, put on foggles or a hood because it's a pain in the butt. And it is. It is a pain in the butt. But when you have to go do that for your flight test and put those on and now you can't fly because you can't handle actually not seeing out, that just shows that you aren't proficient in that and you shouldn't be holding an instrument like rating. But again, I digress. Go out, even as a VFR pilot, get some instrument training. You never know. You could, if you make a mistake, even though you do great planning and your weather is perfect and you always follow everything, you're a master at the GFA. And But what if something changes? I know where I fly. I can take off. It's beautiful to the west, horrible to the east, and to the north is, you know, looks like the tropics and vice versa. It can look like an absolute perfect picture, perfect day. And I look up north to Muskoka and for whatever reason, they're in a torrential downpour. So you just never know. You could get caught in anything and be ready for it. And how we can do that is know how we can react to adverse conditions. Our, you know, doing our 180, get back to good, good area. But if you aren't proficient with looking and trusting instruments you're not going to be able to do that 180 right so pick something you're not good at work on it this week guys and let's become better pilots i know i'll be up i'll be working on it i'm going up next weekend on uh, on sunday next sunday uh, with a friend of mine who wants to again do the same thing just sharpen his skills the guys had a private license for years but he wants to sharpen things up and not that i'm a master by any stretch but I'm another set of eyes that can say, hey, you know what? Let's just go up and practice. Let's become better pilots. So I implore you to do that. Let's become better pilots together. And thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Aviation Podcast. My name is Dave, and I'll catch you next week right here, Monday morning. See you guys, and safe flying. <laughs>